Friends, we have heard from you and you have a lot of questions and perhaps we have some answers. And so we are here today for the season one finale. I am Micah. I'm Mercedes. And I'm Heather. And we want to welcome you to the Lucky Few Podcast. finale it's a finale friends we did a full season can you believe this we're here to stay <laughs> are you rapping well, we're here I, to say that we did a full rapping. season every day <laughs> i wasn't rapping but um, you guys can't see us obviously but mercedes was dancing as though <laughs> someone's rapping so that's fun um okay before we get into this which i'm so excited to answer all these questions because y'all have great questions which all three of us have talked a little bit before, and we all agree that um, we have the same questions, so this will be fun. <laughs> and I have a really exciting announcement, everybody. A very, very exciting announcement. Exciting. We are kicking off our second season of the Lucky Few podcast. So first of all, there will be a second season. Holla. Holla. Second, it's going to be a live event, and every single one Woo. of you is invited, right? Can we get some, some cheers there? Yeah. Thank you, Micah. Um, <laughs> Mercedes is making faces like she's No, excited, I was taking but... a photo. Oh, okay. So <laughs> we have a live event. It is going to be August 22nd in Laguna Beach, California, and in the evening of August 22nd. And we cannot wait for you guys to come. We're get... We are all going to be there. We're going to have some yes. special guests. There's going to be food and drinks and a really good time. Um, tickets go on sale today, friends. You can get tickets through our website, theluckyfewpodcast.com. There will be a link there for tickets. They are going to go very quickly because it is not a giant venue. It's a pretty small, intimate venue. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be excited to have all of you there with us. So make it a girl's night out, a date night, a dad's night, a grandma night. Their children are not allowed because it is in a... It's a bar. It's in a bar. (laughs) Plus, that is no fun. Right? Let's just be honest here. Just kidding. We love our kids. You can even take a a long trip or a day trip to Laguna Beach. Why lay... Lie or lay by the beach (laughs) or or on the beach. Yes. So we are excited about that. Go to our website, click on that button, and get some tickets before they sell out. We will see you in person real life on August 22nd. Okay. That's what I got, friends. All right. Well, let's, let's jump into this, you guys. We put out the, the appeal for your questions and you guys sent them in and we're really, really excited to just get to answer them today. So, um, let's, let's jump in. You want to lead us in Mercedes? Yes. So this was a great question. Um, what's the one thing you wish you would have known or done differently the first year with your kiddo with DS? Any regrets? Question mark. Oh man. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sunflower was my first kiddo. So I totally learned she's kind of my guinea pig. Poor thing. (laughs) So we're quite the duo. Um, I think uh, I wouldn't have done anything differently until I had my second because then it was like, oh, here's two. And Sunflower being my oldest and the one I was caring for and she had Down syndrome. So we were doing all these different therapies. My second one comes along and I still I feel that mommy guilt of, oh, she's my firstborn. I'm not going to stop her therapies. I'm going to keep going full force. So here I am carrying both of them because Sunny didn't um, walk yet. Um, showing up to things while trying to learn how to nurse. I didn't take any break. And I just, with my, when my third came, I was like, you know what? It's okay to take a break. Sunny's okay. You know, she's going to still thrive and be fine. And this is our family time. And I touched a little bit on that on our therapies one. So I won't go into it too deeply. Check out our therapies episode. Um, but <laughs> um, differently is I would take time. And I would say when it's okay to stop doing something so that the whole family could grow together um, and not 
just still focus on Sunflower and her therapies, but take time for the other ones too. And and that's such a good lesson of just parenting in general, right? Like when you go from that first baby to two and just learning how to relax a little bit and enjoy (laughs) what you're doing and, you know, recognize that you can't be everything for everybody all at the same time. And yeah, that's, that's a wise, a wise moment. Praying against mom guilt. Like, yeah. so that your mind yeah. is clear to do things actually like you really want to. So, um, any regrets, um, regret less. Oh, regret. <laughs> yeah. Stop regretting. <laughs> um, I remember when Mason was about five, we had a conversation with a woman named Nancy from Club 21, which I've mentioned before. It's a Club 21 is a learning and resource program in Pasadena, California for families who have kids with Down syndrome. And we were having a conversation about something and she said something like, I don't remember exactly what I had said to her, but she said, well, you need to assume that she can like assume competence. And, um, it was something that I had hoped I had always done. And it's not that I had looked at Mason that first year and thought, oh, she can't, she can't, she can't. But in all truth, that's what we're being told from the beginning. Like our kids can't do so many things. And then physically they actually can't, right? Like not at the same, Mm -hmm. not in the same way that a child without Down syndrome can necessarily. So, um, we, that shifted in my mind and I wished I would have had that mindset that first year with Mason Mm -hmm. of everything that we were pursuing, assuming that she can or that she will and not getting frustrated by what she can't do. And I wish that we would have just had that confidence in her and instill that in her younger because it is we are now working really hard to instill that in her in all of our kids really um and I think that Mason is her personality type is I always call her like a defeatist she just is like I can't do it like that is her Mm -hmm. her thing I can't do it I can't do it and I always look back on that first year and think what did we do to make her feel like she can't do things? And I don't think we did anything wrong. I think it is her personality, but I wonder if that first year we just assumed competence, like Mm -hmm. assumed, of course she will do this. Mm -hmm. It's just not yet. yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have guilt about that. (laughs) No regrets. No regrets. We could just have a guilt episode. (laughs) What are all the things? How did you fail your children so far? We do not have enough time. There is not enough time for this question. Um, I'll go go the practical route here, guys. Um, One of the things that I found out later, and I think I've mentioned it before when I was talking about breastfeeding maybe, was that um, there's been some research, and I think my feeding therapist had shared this article with me, that talks about how how helpful breastfeeding is for strengthening the, the tongue in a specific way so that kids with Down syndrome, so, so that their tongues can stay in easier. And, um, and I read in this article that there's also a position for, um, for bottle feeding that also strengthens the tongue in that specific way. And I don't, I don't know what that position is, um, but I, like, that's one of those things that I think I, I would have liked to have known, but like as I went into that first year of just like, you know, what's a really practical thing I can do to help my child in the future? Well, like holding, when you bottle feed, holding at the specific mm-hmm. angle helps. Or just knowing that if, if you breastfeed, like that, that's really great for tongue strength. And um, yeah, I think that I, know, I don't ever, I saw that one article and I've never seen it again. So you guys out there, tell me if you have seen something about that or read about that. Because I think that's really interesting. And um, I would I would have wanted to know that. Yeah. Sure. I, uh, along those lines, I had not heard of, or had not thought of the idea of Mason needing her tongue in. And so in those that first year of life, we established a lot of bad habits with her that as a 10-year-old, she still has. And so um, her tongue thrust is pretty thrusty. (laughs) And it's as a 10-year-old, it's really hard, like, to break those bad habits. 
And when she was under one or even under three, it was just really adorable. And so I wish that we would have looked into that. But I also didn't even know. I didn't know these things. I didn't know that was a thing. And I wish someone would have told me about that kind of bottle feeding or about, like, she started drinking from a straw right away. I knew she was supposed to do that. So at eight months old, she can drink from a straw, but it's not between her lips. It's between her tongue and her lips. Mm. And I didn't know. I just was like, look at my girl, drink from a straw. And bless her heart, at 10 years old, she cannot put her lips around a straw without her tongue coming out or a cup or anything. And it is like the money that we put into therapy for this and the times I've quit because I don't see any progress. And, right. and I, that is something I really wish I would have known that first year, yeah. but those first couple of years, Keep a practical thing. Keep that cute little bubble gum tongues in. Oh Sunny my was gosh. Amazing. Tongue out, girl, and it was just delicious. It's so, <laughs> so cute. It is so, so cute. cute. Yes. Okay. We got more questions, friends. Yeah. Yeah. So question for all of you, given the growing popularity of Down syndrome accounts on Instagram, et cetera, what's one positive aspect of the attention slash social media celebrity and what's one drawback? How do you decide what to share about your kids? Do you have any personal rules? Ooh, that's a good question. I just like the word celebrity in there. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Is that (laughs) who are the celebrities? (laughs) Wait. That is the funniest thing to me. Wait, Beyonce (laughs) who? Me? Just little old me? (laughs) It's sunny, actually. (laughs) Oh, dang it. It's nothing to do with us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I'll start this out. I I was at a, a writing festival and got to be on a panel about writing about our kids. So that's a little bit different than um, social media. But we chatted about that too. And, um, and when I was back in my younger days, I was a blogger. <laughs> and I had a blog about my kids when they were little, really little before Ace Face came along. And, um, and I definitely have regrets about things that I shared then. Um, Things that I, I think when I was writing about like my two-year-old and the, the things that I was, you know, nervous about, about his behavior, like there were things that I wrote about that turned out to be very major things in his life Mm. that if I had known like going back, I, like this was, these were the first signs of real issues that um, now I would never write about or talk about. And, um, but of course you don't really know with a two-year-old as you're sharing about, you know, this behavior and this experience that happened. Um, and so I think that as I, as I grew up as a mom, I also learned how to kind of ask myself is when my kids are old enough to understand this, are they going to regret that I said this? Um, and, and that's also the kinds of questions I ask myself about Instagram too is like, am I gonna, you know, have a picture of do, you know, do they want to see a picture of themselves on the potty in 15 years? No. So, you know, let's no maybe, you know, should I show the bare buns? Uh, so there's like that kind of stuff and thinking about um, what they, what they will feel about those things being on the internet and, this time later, um, I mean, in, in their adult life or when they're old enough to understand. Um, I also really, I, I don't think I've ever told you all this. I, I was not, I started posting pictures of Ace on my Instagram, but before that I had an Insta, the Instagram was just like my writing stuff. And I never posted pictures of my kids except for like the back of their heads and, and stuff. Um, because I was worried about showing too much of them. <laughs> and now, and then I, <laughs> I started to, um, when, when I started to feel like, well, people really are moved by our story with ACE, this is, um, important to people. And, you know, I started hearing from people in response to it. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to share pictures of ACE and be okay with that, but still could keep my other boys private. And so I would have like, here's the back of a kid's head and ace smiling and then then that was weird too and I finally came to this place of like actually I think it's really beautiful to show 
my older boys with Ace, I think it's meaningful to people to see how they love him and care for him. And so the Instagram account is about Ace, but I started including my older boys in it and feeling at peace about that. But that was like a long transition for me of like, <laughs> how much can I show of right. them? And how do I feel about that? And right. there's definitely pros and cons. Yeah. I'm, I think about this question a lot lately and I just wrote another book and Micah has read it and I have a couple of stories I share that I actually am thinking of, do I share this or not? Um, I think I'm an oversharer. I know I'm an oversharer and I, and I don't do it flippantly. Like I really think about the things I'm saying and sharing and I think about, I ask myself these questions also. Um, I think personality wise though, I'm just like, here's me and all the things I am and know, and here's mm-hmm. all the people. So then my kids get brought into that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting conversation also because so far it has just been incredibly positive, like right. life alteringly positive. And so then it's hard to argue with that. Right. right? Not, yeah. not that anyone, not that I am or anyone is. Um, but it's, it is that question of, if I, for me, I think like, okay, I'm sharing these stories and when my kids are older, let's say that they look back and think, I kind of wish you hadn't shared that story. Yeah. Um, there's also a part of me that thinks, well, I don't want you to have, it wasn't, it's not a shameful thing. Like we're growing and we're learning. Right. And yeah. even what you were talking about, Mike, of the journey that, that you've been on with your, what you've exposed or not on social media. Mm-hmm. I think that that speaks to the journey of social media. The, like yes. however many, it wasn't that Same. long ago that most people weren't sharing very much. Totally. And now today we live in this world where people, this is what people do. And that doesn't make it right or wrong. Um, it just, it's like, well, this is the world in which we live that we get to know one another and encourage one another. Or yeah, obviously the opposite can happen right. by sharing our lives in a way that we never have had that opportunity to do so before. So it is an interesting thing to think about. And I think it comes down to like, you've got to know where you stand, like where are your personal convictions and then don't let outside what's happening on the outside affect where you stand personally. Right. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. There's also, I, I, I'm trying to, a friend of mine had a really good question she asked herself and now I'm forgetting what it is. But the question I always ask myself is what is my story to share? Yeah. And what is my kid's story? Mm-hmm. And especially as they, like as August and Brooks are old enough to have their own stories um, is, you know, if I'm going to tell a story about them, it's actually like, is that my story? And mm-hmm. that's, that's still a complicated question. But, um, like, you know, I think about the important things that happened to me as a kid and how would I feel about my mom telling thousands of people that we didn't know about that story. And so that's one thing now that they're old enough, um, when yeah. it comes to writing, um, or sometimes even what I share on Instagram, I'll ask like my 10 year old, um, Hey, can I show this picture and say this thing? And, um, but I think, and they can't necessarily, they're giving me, uh, like a yes doesn't necessarily mean that they would give me a yes when they're 25, but, um, it's walking that balance, that line. Yeah. Yeah. What are the things it says, um, positive aspects of the attention social media gives and the drawbacks. That was part of this question too. What do you think about that? But Mercedes. Um, hi guys. Um, I know I was, just, I was thinking, I was taking everything in because I feel like this may sound silly, but I feel still really new to social media and how, um, it kind of sunflower social media blew up when we were going through the adoption process and, her video that Andy made um, went viral and that was really fun and really just like kind of organic and authentic. Like mm-hmm. we, didn't really like we didn't really try because I'm not actually a very good writer at all. Tons of run-in sentences, um, vocabulary. I need you, Micah, to be my editor always for my posts. <laughs> but I feel like um, it's been really neat to grow in that way. Kind of like you were saying, Micah, you've kind of grown in this journey with Instagram. I've feel like I've, I feel like, I don't know, I've grown up as a mom with Sunny being my first. And like, I see the like posts that I wrote in the beginning when she was like a a baby 
to like now and they were just so funny we were just like teeny boppers me and sunny just going around town <laughs> easy going you know oh my gosh paper she's sick you know and she had like a cold <laughs> like not like truly sick like she's like sick every other day now i'm like you know it's fine wipe up the snot let's go to the park just kidding but maybe not um so like it's just funny to see how i've grown and then kind of like okay how can i push this further um, to just like continue spreading awareness. And right now I feel like I'm in this like funny space of where I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. Everybody who follows my, our account for Sunflower already loves people with Down syndrome or adoption. And I just like, now I'm like, okay, how do I get into those spaces of people who don't know anybody with mm-hmm. Down syndrome and really try to start to like go into those social media spaces. And again, I don't know because I'm still new to the social media thing. So I feel like it's created some open doors because she does have a little bit of a following to like um, approach other mamas who have children around her same age and who have a social media following and be like, hey, do you want to do a play date? I would love for your audience to see a person with Down syndrome being totally rad, gorgeous and amazing and fun. And let's, I don't know. So I'm kind of like, I'm trying to see how, I guess, um, I kind of went on tangent, but the social media thing could really help um, open eyes to people who have nobody in their presence or an awareness with Down syndrome mm-hmm. um, um, to be a part of their squares now all of a sudden, you know, and maybe that could yeah. be funny. Yeah. And I have found in terms of like a positive of social media that I, I do get comments um, often from people who who their only experience with Down syndrome is Mason in August. It's and it's amazing. That. And that it's, hey, I, I just met this person at the park with Down syndrome and my response was totally different because of Mason in August. Or, hey, mm-hmm. I just got a diagnosis and my response was different because of Mason in August. Like I, we get these comments or, hey, I just adopted this kid because of Mason, because of following Mason in August. Amazing. And it like brings me to my knees. It's like, right. it's yeah. so humbling. It's because it really is like just this little thing called Instagram. But um, I think that's been the most positive, the most positive thing for us and why we keep on keeping on is I really believe, or, well, not I believe, part of our goal is to shift this Down syndrome narrative. Right. And when people can reach out to me and say, hey, I was really scared how many years ago or my first child when we did the testing, I was scared for the results. And now with this second child, I would be so excited if that child had Down syndrome. It wouldn't even upset me. I mean, that is huge. Yeah. That is huge. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's from Instagram, like this little tiny yeah. social media thing. So totally. I'll take that every day of the week. And it, but yeah. I think a draw I think a drawback for me and then and I don't want to hear you, Micah, um, is in life we compare ourselves and um and that that of course, is just going to overflow into the spaces we are. And so I have found recently on social media within the Down syndrome community, um, this idea, like a scarcity idea almost. We may have talked about this before, mm. where it's like this person's going to start this T-shirt company, for example, and then all of a sudden it's competitive. Right. Um, and I don't know where that line gets drawn yeah. because it, it, when it's people's income or whatever, I think that I think that people can look at like, us or like a, a certain group of, I hate the word even, but like celebrity mamas who have kids with down syndrome and like want that so bad. And then there's like the jealousy or then they create their own group. And then there's like division within our community, Mm -hmm. which I think is nobody wants that at all. That's never been anybody's goal. Um, but because that's just how we are anyways, then it like slides into the space. We're like, no, 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 let's have, let's just be as inclusive as possible. This is our whole goal here friends right like to create this inclusive world so i see little glimpses of that not real obvious but little glimpses here and there totally yeah yeah and that i mean that's that is our human condition right like we are we are pure hearted in longing to bring awareness um and we are also conflicted people who are on instagram going that kid is six months younger than Ace Mm -hmm. and he is jumping on this, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden you've got that scarcity of 
like, what am I doing wrong? And why is my kid not as advanced as this one? Or even worse is like, oh, like my kid's already doing this thing Uh and that kid isn't yet. And I mean, and that is, that is like the lifelong struggle of um, knowing yourself and and Mm -hmm. recognizing your weaknesses and, um, and, you know, uh, working towards a better way. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think that that's, that's one of the negatives for me. And also the negative for me is this kind of like, how much is enough? Um, suddenly you have this Instagram account that you, you feel like is growing and you, um, are committed to, but how much am I on my phone in front of my kids? Mm-hmm. How yeah. much do my kids feel like they have to perform for this, like thing I do of right, putting right. them on the internet. There's like, you know, that, that conflictedness of like, how do I feel about all these? Like, I, I can't even get my mind around the amount of people looking at my children and what we did today. And like, there's like that kind of stuff too of, um, you know, it's just, it's a weird thing. And yeah. no one in humanity has ever done this before. <laughs> we're right. like, you know, we're the like, first generation. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, <laughs> this, this is what all our kids will be in therapy for yep. when they're grownups yep. because we put them all over the internet. But right. we did it for the greater good. And <laughs> Lord have mercy on us. Can I say one thing that yes. was a negative um, that I just thought of? Uh, because I mostly post a lot of positives, quick little positives, because... Um, of just wanting to post and not be on my phone too much. And then sometimes when I'm really moved, I can get in to something. But then we, I go on a play date or I meet up with someone I met from social media and, you know, Sunny gives a little bit of t- attitude or is a little bit sassy. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. And I'm like, yep, she's a person. And she's really happy. And then also she might not want to play with your kid at all today. I don't know why. <laughs> I want her to. So I I get kind of worried that sometimes when a person will meet Sunflower, they put her on a pedestal and that they'll find that, oh, she has struggles. And then, so then sometimes I overcompensate for that. I'm like, oh, you guys, she's got some attitude. Woo-wee. You know, and trying to like balance it out. I'm like, yes, she's fabulous. But she's also has all the emotions of a five-year-old. Yeah. I feel the exact same way with Mason. I totally get what you're saying. Yep. I hear that. Um, friends, should we, we have a couple more questions in this section, but I'm feeling with time's sake, we need we'll to move forward. on. Okay. What do you feel? Yeah. Like? Yeah. You, you know, I, what I'll say is that we, if we don't get to your question, dear lovely listeners, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll work on getting them on to our Instagram account and answering either through stories or, um, in our feed. But please know that if we don't get to you, to you today, it's not because we did not think you had something wonderful to ask us. Right. Okay. Language. Um, is the word disability negative? Great questions, friend. Great question. <laughs> what do you think? Is the word disability negative? I think, again, grace in ling- when it comes to language. A disability... I know it, I don't know. I, I always think it's in the context, but, um, I personally try not to use it, mm-hmm. but, um, I also have grace when, cause it's usually a word I hear often throughout my week. I give grace to that, but I try not yeah. to use it personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you, here's what I'll say as a language nerd. <laughs> language yes. is always evolving yes. we are always uh, adding new words we're mm-hmm. always redefining old words and things that like actually were acceptable at one time start to no longer be acceptable I think that's where disability is mm-hmm. I, and it, I mean technically it is negative I mean mm-hmm. that is it says guess, yeah. like dis is in the front of ability so it is saying the there is there is non-ability here and um so if we're looking at it in that way and we want to be positive in the way we speak about our kids then i think it's a great thing to 
to say differently abled. I wish that um, there were less syllables in mm-hmm. differently abled. <laughs> it's, <totally laughs> it's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, but as like in terms of like on the list of words that offend me, disability doesn't offend me. Um, and I, I will say it from time to time. I, I'm like you, Mercedes, where I'm trying to um, use the phrase differently able more often or different abilities, but disability still comes out of my mouth. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, we could, we could post a, maybe we should do this sometime. Just make a little cute chart, someone with good handwriting, not me. Not um, me. And, and, <laughs> and be like, here's words that you should never say to a mom of a child with a different ability this category yes. here's words you can sometimes say here's sometimes. phrases that make us feel the <laughs> yes. happiest <laughs> yes i love that that is that's good yeah, just educate the world educate the world mike i agree 100 percent with what you said about language is evolving all the time and mm-hmm. i've been using the phrase different abilities for a while now so it, it comes out naturally um oh my gosh i had something i needed to say here i'm drawing a blank this, you can edit this out, Andy, or not. We'll find out when we listen back. We'll just do some in-between music while she's thinking. That's good. Okay, wait. Disability. We don't say that. <laughs> we say different abilities. Oh, this, this is it. I got it. It's worth the wait, friends. Okay. Um, something that's been a conviction on my heart because of the spaces that we're in is being more aware of people who have different abilities. What language do they want? Yeah. How do they want to be referred to? And then doing that. that. And it's going to be different for everybody. And then that's fine. Adjusting. So someone, I read this really great article from a woman who said, I am a disabled woman. And when you take, when you say I'm a woman with a disability, then you are pointing out that a disability is a bad thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a disabled woman because my disability is not a bad thing. It is part of who I am. And so please refer to me as that. And it's like, yes, a hundred percent. I will refer to you as that. And when someone's offended, who has a disability because I refer to them as that, I'm not going to get up in my feelings because it's not my life. So I think we need to pay Mm -hmm. really close attention. And in the autism world, I think I've met a lot of people who prefer to be called autistic, not a person with autism. Mm -hmm. I think in the Down syndrome world, pretty much across the board, we want our kids to be looked at as people with Down syndrome, not Down syndrome people. Um, So I think we just need to be aware of what people want to be referred to as. Right. Mm -hmm. And be okay with stumbling. Over your words, yeah. like I like yeah. how you said, not be up in your feelings, but be able to be okay. Great, I'll call you that or whatever. Right. I I like that being able to um, adjust. Yes. Okay, moving on. Yep. Next question: How do you explain to your child that they have Down syndrome? It's a good one. Big one. This is assuming your child has Down syndrome. <laughs> yes. Don't don't tell your kid that they do if they don't. Oh dear. Rule number one. <laughs> um, okay. We in our home. Oh, do you want to go first, Micah? No, you go for it. You go for okay, it. Okay, mine's quick. I think in our home we. Because all of our kids are adopted and because they're all different than me in a lot of ways, um, we are just like very honest about who we are and we talk about it in a way that is positive and celebratory. And so my kids have always known they're adopted. There was never a time that we had a conversation about that. Mason and August have all, and Truly, well, Mason and August have always known they've had Down syndrome. Truly's always been fine with that conversation. Um, we, when we see people with Down syndrome, from afar, we'll point out, look, there's a person with Down syndrome, or like in a movie or in a book or something. I'm always very excited and quick to show Mason or August that a person has Down syndrome. Um, None of that explains what Down syndrome means for my kids. Um, But I don't know that that's a necessary conversation just yet in my personal life. So it is just, it is what it is because it's awesome. It always has been is kind of how we go about that. Um, Micah? I like I like that a lot. I think that um, gosh, there's another episode where I talked about talking to your kids about sex. I feel like this keeps coming. Yes, up. Yes, just but bring it's it this, up again. It, I mean, I feel like that's the same kind of idea of like you can either like I start in small increments, just teaching them about their bodies, being open, and as they get to the right age, start to to tell more, right? And it's the same kind of thing. It seems 
from like what you're saying, Heather, about talking about adoption, like as they've always known they're adopted, there will probably be times when you have harder and harder conversations and that right. you already have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that it seems that for me with just with a three-year-old that as, as he gets older, there will be harder conversations about that. But, um, but like starting small and, you know, having books like 47 strings, I just got that book. It's really cute. Um, so cute. About Down syndrome or the prince who was just himself, um, which I love. And like being able to read those from time to time and just slowly opening that door. I have a friend, Amy Julia Becker, who I hope we get to have on this show sometime. I love her. And she's a beautiful writer. And she has written a memoir about her daughter, Penny, who is, I think, um, maybe 12 now. Um, Penny has Down syndrome. And Um, Amy Julia has that memoir, which is called A Good and Perfect Gift. And then she also has a book called Small Talk that has, it it covers so many different topics, a little bit around Down syndrome. And she has this one chapter that's really beautiful, talking about having a conversation with Penny about her birth story and how she had told the story over and over to Penny, but that there's this one time when she tells the story to her and she brings up that she was scared when Penny was born. And she talks about it in a really beautiful way with Penny, like this conversation that she shares in the story of Penny saying, why were you scared when I was born? And her saying, you know, we didn't, we found out you had Down syndrome and we didn't really know anything about Down syndrome and we didn't know if it would hurt you. And, and Penny saying, but it didn't hurt me. And, and Amy Julia saying, you're right. It didn't hurt you. And we, we love that you have Down syndrome. We love who you are. And, and it's such a beautiful chapter. Um, but I think that that's like, even that example of like, there's, you know, at some point, Amy Julia felt the need to say, Hey, this, your birth story actually was a little bit different than, um, and this is why, and um, this is how I felt. And maybe you should know that I felt scared when you were born because of this. And then I learned that I didn't have to be afraid. Um, yeah. So that's good. That is good. And those conversations will be coming with all of our kids. Right. You know, Mercedes, you want to add anything to that question before we move on to the next one? Um, you- I'm kind of the same as you have. I just have. And Micah, I have books, and I've just set a tone that it's a positive thing. We play with other families who have a child with Down syndrome, which I think is also great for the siblings, for my mm-hmm. boys, boys to see other siblings who have a sibling <laughs> with Down syndrome. Right. You know, it's just like all, I just want other families who have that dynamic to be a part of our family so that it can just all be a positive thing and not a isolating, lonely thing. So um, I just feel like that's been super important. And hopefully Sunflower, as she grows up, has felt that tone, that Down syndrome is a positive thing. Yeah. I think I've shared this story before, but when the kids were real little, um, True was real little, maybe like two even or three. And if we'd see someone with Down syndrome, Truly would always point them out and go, Mom, look, that kid's adopted. And I go, oh. <laughs> maybe, so honey, maybe that kid's adopted, but I think you mean that kid has Down syndrome. It's like, oh, okay. They're one of the She was so little. There's just too many dynamics happen in our family. Yes, right? Yes. We're going to have all oh, the therapy. That's great. <laughs> yes, exactly. Plus, bless them. Well, um, okay. we'll put we'll put all of those books in the show notes. So yes. if you wanna um, if you wanna check them out, listeners, please do. All right, are, where are we on these questions? We're at IEPs. This is oh, you, girl. it's me! It's you. me! Um, okay, so we have a question about IEPs, um, and it's just what advice would we give to families starting the IEP process? Um, and yeah, I'll jump in here just because I. Have been in in this for about four months now, and I I think the the best thing to do is that about a year ago I was able to be part of a workshop. I found a workshop just about inclusion that gave me actually I went to a workshop around inclusion 
at the National Down Syndrome Congress, um, if you know, which is such a great resource if it's anywhere mm-hmm. close to you to to go. I don't know if it's I know it's in Dallas in a couple of weeks, um, so it may may be too late for you this year. But if it's ever coming close to you, I heard it's in Philadelphia next summer, um, which is where I am sitting on a bed right now um, at my mother-in-law's house. Uh, but that was really, really helpful for me to just kind of get my head around what people were saying about inclusion so that I had a sense of what I wanted to understand more of in terms of education for ACE. Then I was able to go to another workshop, um, just a local one that I found about the IEP process and like just education law and things that parents should know going into it. So both of those things were really helpful in the beginning. It was enough to help me understand that I think I really needed an advocate. Um, And so there are different ways to find an advocate. Advocate, one, um, probably the most helpful way is if you have a community of people with Down like of Down syndrome families around you, whether that's like something like Club 21, like Heather has, or, um, you know, a, a Down syndrome network or or whatever it is, asking around, seeing if they have advocates that they, um, that who, who offer to volunteer or who they recommend. There's some who will do it for free. There are some who are paid and it's, you kind of have to figure out for your family what you want to do. And, um, but I totally recommend having an advocate. And sometimes that's just a parent who has mm-hmm. a child with Down syndrome who's been through the ropes. And yeah. sometimes that's even the best call. For me, we um, it's just a really small community of people with families with Down syndrome in San Francisco. And we just really didn't have that kind of support system. So um, I did go the route of um, finding a professional. And um, so we, we paid out of pocket for that. And... But that was super helpful just to, like, understand what we were getting ourselves into and Mm -hmm. doing the research and knowing your stuff. And some of that, like, I was really intimidated about how much research I needed to do or even where to start. But I think the process really educates you, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you learn as you go. And that's okay. Yeah. I would say, add to that. Um, I'm, I believe so strongly in an advocate and I didn't have an advocate until Mason started second grade. And I, I'm like, I got this, but I would say absolutely have someone in the room right away. But I think it's important to know that, especially if you're wanting your child to be fully included, which is a, I think is another conversation, which we're going to do an episode on inclusion. Mm -hmm. Um, it isn't for everybody, but if that is what you want for your child, if you know that is what's best, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work up front if you want to walk into your meeting prepared to get the things you know are best for your child. So just be ready for that. Like I, the amount of hours I invest bef- prior to any meeting, um, it's obnoxious, <laughs> but necessary. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't. Otherwise, you don't know what's going on. You really don't. There's so there's so many people around the table who are the professionals who most likely don't agree with what it is you're hoping for which I know is so negative, but that's been my experience and conversations I've had. It's not always the case. Hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. So yes, I think you need to just be ready to invest a lot of time up front. It's going to be a blast, guys. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mercedes? Um, Anything I'm on IEPs? Still, no, I'm still new to the IEP process because we are going the private school route and um, Sunny gets services through our insurance. So I am doing baby steps into, because um, our first IEP was fine. It was easy. She was three and um, they put her in a mild to moderate preschool program. Um, and at the time I was fine with that. And six months later, I was not fine with that. And I was like, you know what? I think in preschool, she can be in a typical classroom. This is easy peasy guys. Preschool. Yeah. And so, um, I have to say, honestly, I was not ready for the fight. Um, I was pregnant and I just was like, you know what? This cannot be my thing right now. I need to set this aside. And so we have found an amazing fit for Sunflower in a private school. Um, but she will be going to kindergarten next year. So we are going to be hiring an advocate and um, doing the IEP process. So 
you know, to be continued. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Stay yeah. tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, we have, let's see where we're at with time, friends, because people can't yeah, listen to us all day. minutes. What? They can't? <laughs> But we're so fun. We're so fun and funny. Well, let's... Uh, yes, yep. here you go. No, oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, I was going to say, we've got... How about we do two more questions? One that's Perfect. kind of about an extracurricular and one that's about adoption because we have several adoption things we could... Okay, so a question was, anyone else out there live in an area where inclusive programs slash extracurricular are not available. My typical three-year-old is involved in swim, gymnastics, playgroups, play etc. while my five-year-old with Down syndrome is sidelined. Help! How do I um, get people to open their hearts and give her a chance? Bonus points if mama doesn't have to physically be in the class because I need a break sometimes. <laughs> hear you, girl. All the time. You. All the time. All the breaks. Mama always um, wants to be out of the class <laughs> and drinking coffee. Somewhere. Right, and watching. <laughs> or not. I don't know. Or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> okay, I need to know where you live. I think this is a tricky question for the three of us to answer because we live in California, which I'm assuming is this is less likely to happen in California, although it does. Yeah. So my answer is like, well... It's not an option. That's that's my, which isn't not helpful. Like with Mason with dance, we, I said to the teacher, I just wanted to give you a heads up. My daughter has Down syndrome. Let me know if you have any questions. And if she said back to me, oh, well, we don't have space for her in the class. Then I mean, all hell would have broke loose. Be like, oh, well, let me talk to you about that, honey. And not that this mom or people need to like fight about it, but I think that is part of it. Like, oh, okay. Well, what can we do to make that? happen like how can I be supportive here so that we can change that yeah and make so my kid can be in the class and if they right. keep saying well well they can't be in the class then I would say oh well what can we do to like make it so my kid can be in this class right. like what are your concerns I think you ha- kind of have to make it happen yeah 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 and, it, and going in I like that they're just like going in with the assumption or so many of these things too you sign up online now just sign up <laughs> yeah. online. Sign up online like, and show up. <laughs> show up. <laughs> Ta-da, we're here. <laughs> what? 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 You see something different? <laughs> but, like, I think there's always a place to put little notes. Like, I when I um, say, for example, signing Asa for swimming, um, I was, he, we did a swim class for two and under that is, like, mommy and me. But now he's three. I'm going to sign him up for swim class. It's a sign up online thing. And my plan is just in the notes section to say, by the way, my son has Down syndrome. Let me know. Yeah, same kind of thing you were saying. Mm-hmm. Let me know um, like if we need to chat beforehand. But like going in with that assumption, like, of course my kid's going to be part of this. If they, if they don't let you, then um, let us know the address. We right. have eggs, toilet paper, and we'll fork the yard. Did you guys ever fork people's yards? <laughs> Was that a thing only in Texas? I don't know. Um, we did a gymnastics class and truly did. Mason didn't want to be in it. So we, I signed her there for gymnastics. The online thing shows up, does it. The class is just starting and Mason goes, Mom, I want to do this. I'm like, oh, cool. So I go to the front desk, say, hey, I know the class. We're five minutes in. But is it okay if she joins? She really wants to. She's like, oh, yeah, there's room. Give me a second. Walks away, comes back, and she goes, the coach would like to do some assessments, like some gymnastics assessments before she starts. I said, okay, we can't start today, like just for clarity, no. So is it because we're too late? No. I said, is it because she has Down syndrome? And she's like, gave like a nod, like, yeah. I said, so if she didn't have Down syndrome, she could start the class today. And she was like this sweet little receptionist, right? Bless her heart. And I'm like, me. I mean, I said to her, I said, I know this isn't your fault. I and I'm really upset, and it's not you. Um, and then I said, can I talk to the coach, please? And so he came out, or no, he didn't come out. He said, she said he'll call you after class. I'm so he sure. called me, and I got on the phone. And I said, this is an example of ableism. This is not okay. You cannot say just because my child has Down syndrome that you're going to do some kind of special assessment that you're not going to do if she didn't. Like, and he just couldn't hear it. He's like, well, it's for safety. I said, I understand that. But my old other daughter didn't have to do the special assessment. She just started the class. So is that not a safety issue? Like, how do you know kids don't have 
safety things to assess all of your kids or it's just because she has Down syndrome. Anyways, I was so upset. I like laid into him. She got to do the, I mean, she started the next class and I still don't like that place. So that's my story. Did they, did they have, um, did you feel it uh, the entire time that she was taking classes there? Did you feel that like vibe of, uh, I said, yeah, I second guessed whether they appreciated she was in the class or not. Mm-hmm. Let's just say she did one season, like a six week season. Yeah. And then I convinced her to just do, we added a dance class yeah. and I left the door with my middle finger in the air towards them. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I was so mad. Right. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Mercedes? Um, Sunny's still little and we've actually been super blessed with, um, very inclusive programs. They've all been privately owned smaller programs that have just been totally welcoming to Sunflower. Um, So I haven't yet experienced a closed door, but I'm sure in my journey I will. And even so that these, they're so inclusive that I'm like, after class, I'm like, okay, did she have any behavior? Like I'm probably the worst example of what to do. Cause I'm like, okay, this is going really great. I just want to be, I just wanted them to always know as a mom, to Sunflower that I'm open to hear them talk to right. if yeah. there needs to be changes, you know, instead of mm-hmm. just telling me everything's great. And then I show up and she's just rolling around on the floor and I'm like, no, have expectations for her. So, um, right. so, so far it's all actually been really positive and great conversations have come from the extracurricular activities we've been a part of. Mm-hmm. I think the second half of that question where she says bonus points, if mom doesn't have to be there physically, if you are dealing with an extracurricular event or event, extracurricular activity that doesn't, isn't familiar with inclusion, then I think you do have to be there. That's my experience. Right. Um, yeah. I don't think it's doing anybody a service, including our kid. If we do just like drop them off drop and balance, because right. our kids, not all kids with down syndrome, but mine do need extra support to be successful and to enjoy themselves and to create friendships. It's not just going to happen. Um, and so then I think that that's where as a parent, you do have to say, how can I be, how, what can I do to be supportive here? And what are the concerns? And let's talk about that and then being more involved. So I actually think to this mom that it might require more of you. Right. (laughs) We're sorry. I know. But even in the waiting room, you can still sit like that's where I, you know, there's, there's still relaxation in the waiting room. Yes. <laughs> but eventually not. Like, it, it's I just know. initially. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Mason's first year of dance, I sat in the, the, the waiting room every time, and it was just this last year that I, like, dropped her off, like, pulled up to the sidewalk. She jumped out nice. and walked in. But That's it took amazing. me almost, it took me over a year to get yeah. to that point. Yeah. Um, and not for being controlling, even though I am that, <laughs> or can be. It was just, like, logistically, I knew that the people in the room knew her well enough. We had become close enough, understood yes. each other well enough, had that right. kind of relationship where she, I knew if something happened, I would get a text or a call right. and that everyone knew what to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's good. All right. It's good. One more question. Last, last question. Yeah. And it's kind of like a lot of questions. we got a bunch of questions about adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exciting friends. I love that. Yeah. And I'm looking here on these questions, what to answer. Mercedes, help me here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> while you're looking, there is one thing. With adopting, a lot of times I get a question on where to start. Where do I start? And it's that's actually a really big question because um, adoption looks different in different states, out-of-state, ad- like, adoption plus international. It is a big one that is like, whoa, where do I start? Um, and I still, I don't know. You just yeah. do your research. You go online. Cause we even started with one adoption agency, did some classes and switched to a different agency. Like, but we wouldn't have known unless we've started one route and see if it fit. And then, it didn't fit. So we went a different route. So everybody's journey is their own in where to start. So if you're, if you have that question, start online researching within your area, adoption agencies, lawyers, or I'm not too sure. Or if um, asking 
other mamas in your area where they adopted their child from. It's just, it's hard to really tell you where to start. But I think start where you can walk in somewhere or have a good conversation with someone, get the vibe, get the feel, and go from there. Yeah, I agree with all of that. It's our adoptions were so different. And I can't say that there's one good way, which is right. an, such an annoying answer. It's we an annoying answer. I know. Answer I feel terrible. <laughs> but it is the answer. So yeah. good, good old Google search and ask all the mamas. Um, a couple of people wanted to know how to handle the negative reactions from family or people who, like if you announce that you want to adopt a child with Down syndrome and then you get negative responses from family members. Right. Did you have that, Mercedes? Um, no, not too much. My mom was completely supportive, not shocked at all. Um, Andy's parents were also really supportive and I think they were just open to just listening. They're like, okay, have you thought about, they, their thing was, have you thought about everything? You know, um, just to make sure that we're equipping ourselves and not going in blindly or rose colored glasses, like it's going to be easy peasy. Um, but I also very much felt super supported and, kind of like they were also watching because they themselves have not adopted a child with Down syndrome or adopted any child. So I felt like they were super supportive and just kind of watching, kind of like joining our journey into this whole new world. So I felt supported. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there were, I had to tell people, you know, you can feel how you're going to feel, but you have to trust what we're doing here. Right. Mm. Right. Like this isn't, we're not just making this decision blindly. This is a big deal. And the questions that you have, we have, and we've asked ourselves these questions. And I would even say like to close family members, just to be totally honest, even like telling them it's hurtful that you feel this way. And I know there'll be a day when you don't feel this way anymore. Um, and until that day comes, whatever boundaries you have to put up, do you not spend time with them? Do you like give them specific language they can and can't use when they're talking to you about it? Um, if it, I think that if people are really being super negative and you know, this is exactly how you're going to grow your family, then it's okay to create those boundaries. You just need to know what they are. Um, and those people are going to come around a hundred percent. They're going to come around and hopefully beg for forgiveness. (laughs) (laughs) And then someone asked, Sarah said, we're adopting a girl from China. She'll be five years old when she comes home. What resources do you recommend? Therapists that get lined up books for older kids, etc. Important truth that runs through your mind on discouraging days to help encourage you as you parent a child with Down syndrome. Mm, Whew, that's that's so many one. things. Yeah. Um, I would recommend reaching out to families who have adopted from China. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not super helpful, but I don't know how, I don't know how to answer that question. Right. It's just a different ball game. Um, there are, I know a handful who have social media accounts, um, who I know would be happy to share with you. We can put their social media accounts, their Instagram handles on our, our show notes. And you probably, I would assume that if you don't already know people in that community, you will very quickly. Mm-hmm. I think that other, when it comes to adoption, when it comes to down syndrome, when it comes to parenting, other parents in the same situation, a year or two before you, especially is so helpful. They will be your best resources. Yes. Yeah. All right. We did it. We did it. (laughs) 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 Um, You guys, Hmm. this has been super fun. I love the like rapid fire answer questions. Um, And I also um, think that it's a moment for us to celebrate our final episode with the best parts of the episode. Mercedes and I just wait to see what is Micah going to do? What key is she going to start Yeah. This one was kind of like um, Tempo good news. emotional yes. pop kind of one. It was good. I've been listening to a lot of emotional oh, pop. Emotional. Why? <laughs> news. Uh, uh, okay. We got some good news. Woo-woo. Do we have good news? What's our good news, you guys? I Heather, have good news you have I one. Even shared with you guys. 
What's mine? Your Mercedes. first kiddo is what in the two digits. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Macy? <laughs> it's for her birthday. Mason's 10 years old. Boo! What in the world? That is good news. I that can't is. believe it. You've been a mom no, for 10 years. I've been a mom for 10 years. Mason is 10 years old. And <laughs> do you have a preteen? I don't know. Oh, girlfriend. Do you have a preteen? Yeah. I have a teen. A, I have a teenager. You have a teenager. I'm a teenager. Lord have mercy on all of us. I think Mason and August are just um, a week and a half apart because I just became I a mom so. for the 10th year, too. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Mom anniversary. Oh, my goodness. June, late June. So. June, when is his birthday? June 24th. Oh, June 29th. Oh, get out. They're five out. days They're apart. They're five days apart. That's we so cool. We should have had a joint birthday we're, we're, we're almost mom twins. We you are. are. We're both <laughs> so cute and pretty. Um, but Mason, I didn't, we didn't, we were told Mason wouldn't live very long. And so mm. the fact that she is 10 and physically totally healthy. Amazing. She's like, fine. We're all fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, is she is a dream, but she is, we are pre something mm-hmm. because emotionally I'm like, I've had parents who have kids around this age and be a tiny bit older. And they're like, I miss my, I'm like, who is this monster? Where's this child that I went raised in right. person? And Mason is like so emotional. I'm like, who are you? What is happening? I don't know what to do. I feel, I feel like I'm have to learn how to parent again. It's actually freaking me out. But we'll, that's not good news. We'll save that for the episode. That's, that, we'll add that to the, the, what was the episode about all the ways we're failing our children? We'll yeah. add that oh, to the question, that the regrets. Our regrets. <laughs> regrets and the things that are terrifying us for our near future. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Yes, good news. Yes, I have good news. Um, while I've been on vacation, and by the way, people, I'm sorry if my, the sound is poor quality because it is from coming from me today. But um, I have heard from the school district um, that we have been in disagreement with around ACEs, uh, our hope for him to be included. And they have, we have found a way forward. So we <gasps> are not, we're not going to have to, at this point, get an attorney involved. We have, oh my it's, gosh. it's not perfect. But it's a compromise. He's going for 60 days into the inclusion classroom. And then we're going to have an IEP it. to reassess at that point. Okay. Good. So okay. Let's take that. Um, He's going to blow their minds. It. Yeah. Right. I'm really, really happy that, um, Good. that they came around and that staying strong, was, we were able to push forward in this. So. Yes. Good work, Mama. I love and yes, that. 60 days. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Good news. I have um, good news, I guess. Let's see. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what sunflowers done except for just continue to be rad. Um, I, you know, I don't good new news, but no news is sometimes good news. What? Your good news is that Sunflower continues to be rad. She continues to be rad. And we're just going on summer vacations left and right. And it's fun. Awesome. It's fun. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, as always, your good news with us. We love hearing from you. Um, please keep those, those messages coming through the summer. And um, when we start back for season two, we will be using your good news. And we would love to keep hearing your sweet voices. Yes, we love that. And go right now, well, as soon as we're done, go to our website, uh, or if you're driving, wait till you get home, luckyfewpodcast.com, and buy tickets for our live event. So fun. Live event, August 22nd in Laguna Beach, California. We are all three going to be there in the flesh, (laughs) maybe wearing matching outfits if I have my way. Yes, totally. And... (laughs) Maybe we'll, everyone will invite everyone coming to wear a matching outfit. Oh my Wait, goodness! Oh, Stay, let's tuned. Invite every, Stay tuned. All three of us got bangs. Now, we do. We, all, we, we have all just bangs. wanted to be like Heather. So we, we do. All three have bangs. We would like for you to get bangs too before you come. <laughs> oh 
<laughs> Thanks, and stay tuned for the dress code. Um, but put on your calendars, buy tickets right now. Text 10 of your best girlfriends, yes. boyfriends, mom, grandma, cousin, <laughs> auntie. Grandpa. Just, they have to be 21 or older because it's in a bar. What? <laughs> going to be very kosher, The lucky though, few pod nighttime edition. That's right. And, um, and you guys, it, that will actually, that day will be my 39th birthday. I would like to announce Yes, that. that's it huge. Your birthday present to me, dear oh, listener, yes. to come with bangs, please. <laughs> so good. So good. And I think that's it. Okay. I, girls, I'm going to miss you. It's going to be a good you know, long six weeks and or something until we record together again. So in the meantime, stay beautiful. Stay classy. Smart. Stay, stay classy. smart. Stay rad. Read some books. Listen to some good music. Enjoy the sunshine. And we will see you all on the flip side. All right. All right. Bye, friends. Bye, Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcast. Review our show on iTunes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. Subscribe on our website for ongoing updates at theluckyfewpodcast.com. Tell us about your good news by leaving us a voicemail or text at 424-442-9147. Our show is edited and produced by Andy Lara at andylikeswords.com. See you next time.